you don't want to read a joke. You want to practice it enough so that you can just tell the joke. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, your speaker bio says, among other things, you're the funny man with the wonderful words. You didn't actually say that. One of your students said that about you, the funny man with the wonderful words. And I just thought that was appropriate to introduce that idea because today we're talking about humor. Yes. Well, it you know, if you have little to put on a bio, you've got to find something <laughs> that might make someone smile or chuckle. Yes, that's true. That's true. And so you, of course, have a conference talk or just a talk that you give that's on humor in teaching and, and speaking and the value of telling jokes when you're teaching or speaking. Right. Yeah. The the science is fascinating. It's actually, there's actually a word and I have seen claims that it can pr be pronounced either way. But it's either gelotology, which is the way I would say it, or gelotology. Well, gelotology sounds like jello. It so. does, <laughs> um, but it is this. It is the science of mm. laughter and humor, and it includes health benefits and research. It's a subset of linguistics, mm, mm -hmm. like what makes things funny. Right. And why do some people laugh more readily than others? That's a really good question. Why do some people laugh more readily than others? Well, you know, people will say, oh, he has a good sense of humor mm -hmm. or she doesn't have a very good sense of humor. Something like that. Like, why would we judge and compare? I mean, we, we might not want to judge and compare people, but mm -hmm. there is this natural tendency to think, okay, mm -hmm. so someone who laughs easily, who is kind of more cheerful. I think part of it, I mean, if I were to say someone who has a good sense of humor, probably the top quality would be the ability to laugh at oneself. Oh, right. That's good. I like that. And uh, I've been uh, listening occasionally to British comedy. Okay. <laughs> uh, the BBC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is kind of ingrained with current events. Oh, I what's see. What's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've really noticed the difference between Americans and the British is the British seem to be still able to laugh at themselves more easily. And, and you know, you can laugh at the opposing political views because you can usually talk to a friendly audience and say, well, that's an awfully ridiculous thing for somebody to say. Oh, isn't it? But they also have a better ability to laugh at their own side. Mm -hmm. And I think we're losing that yeah. in this country. And yeah. uh, that's that's dangerous. So I would view uh, the restoration of humor as an integral part 
of the survival of democracy. Yes, <laughs> I like that. There you go. So we're not going to talk necessarily about the benefits of humor or the ways jokes are funny. We're going to talk about the art of telling jokes. Yes, but I would encourage people to do just a little bit of research. It's very easy. Just, you know, web search it out. Benefits of humor, benefits of laughter, mm -hmm. because it's really persuasive. It gets into teachability, learnability, likability, persuasion, teamwork, corporate culture. Yep. There's a huge amount of research that actually exists in that whole realm, which I find fascinating. Mm -hmm. So we'll leave it to the listeners to go find out about that on their own if they have the time and inclination to do right. so. Right. Well, and be careful, listener, if you have a salesperson that's trying to make you laugh, because studies show that if you're laughing, you're more willing or more likely to buy what they're selling, right? But that can actually be a benefit, mm. because let's face it, we all have things that we are trying to determine would this have value, mm. right? Should mm -hmm. I invest in this? Should I buy this? Should yep. I acquire this? Should I devote time and resources to this? And it's a continuous draw. And so it's sometimes the little things that tip the scale mm. into, yes, I think I'll take a chance on this, this item, you know, whether it's maybe a piece of clothing or a nutritional supplement or a new gadget or a bit of information that you might like to have. Mm -hmm. You know, one, I'll give an example here. I purchased a course. This was an online, entirely electronically delivered video based with, you know, PDF components. Did it have a teaching writing element to Absolutely it? not. <laughs> and it was on something really obscure, hmm. such as how to improve your energy levels by learning to breathe and practice breathing properly. Oh, okay. And it's really fascinating. But I have to say, I sat around for about six months trying to decide, do I want to spend this amount of money on this kind of information? Maybe it's available for free elsewhere. Maybe I could, you know, maybe it wouldn't really change my life all that much for the better. Maybe I would buy it and never, you know, all those mm -hmm. considerations. Mm -hmm. And I will say... It was probably the smile of the guy teaching the course and his, I don't know, wasn't even humor, but it was kind of this upbeat, almost joyous hmm. way that he was communicating that tipped the scale. Yep. I thought, I like the guy. Yep. I'll give it a shot. And I'm very glad I did. I've, I'm only, I don't know, three lessons into the, to the 15 or whatever. And um, I've learned already a lot that's changed my life about how to breathe. We could <laughs> okay. do a whole podcast on breathing, but <laughs> All right, we're supposed we to talk about how to tell jokes. Yes. And so our, do you have any tips for our listeners of how to tell jokes? You have a slew of jokes, a plethora of jokes, You and you know how to tell them and you know who to tell them to. All those things you have to factor in when you're telling jokes. Right. Yeah, I would say there's definitely a matching, if you will, hmm. of the joke with the person or okay. the audience. If you know someone well, like my wife, I know her pretty well, mm -hmm. I can almost anticipate whether she will have a positive or more of a neutral response to a joke. Mm -hmm. Audiences, 
you know, they tend to be categorical in many ways. I'm speaking to teachers. I'm speaking to homeschoolers. I'm speaking to older people. I'm speaking to younger people. I'm speaking to very young people. Mm -hmm. And so there is, I would say, number one, the selecting of the joke for the audience. And then unless it's just, okay, I randomly am going to walk down the hall and tell a joke. <laughs> Which you do There's around here. some connection with something. Mm -hmm. So there's some leading into the content. So the, that, I, I wouldn't really call it a setup per se, but there's a context, there's a, a way in which the joke can be relevant. Sure, yep. And so that would be, you know, tip number one is select your jokes appropriate. Okay, right. I mean, honestly, there are a few jokes that I will not tell to mm -hmm. my wife. In fact, I will not tell them to young people. Right, sure. In fact, I might not even tell it to you. <laughs> but there are a couple men that I might tell that joke to. But then there's also, you know, mm -hmm. kid jokes. And then mm -hmm. there's borderline jokes. Mm -hmm. So that'd be one. Select a joke. And then when you've selected a joke for your particular audience, you just read it out loud and see how they do it. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> you do not want to read a joke. That's that's scraping the barrel. Okay. Um, essentially, well, you've been to conferences, I'm sure. Sure. Where someone is, they basically read their paper. Yes. Right? They, they pull out this thing they wrote and they read it to you and look up and take a pause every couple paragraphs and then they go back down. And it's, it's awful. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to stay engaged with someone who's just reading their paper to you. Sure. I think the better talks are people who have had the time, and I don't fault anyone because it's usually a matter of time or confidence or experience, but you appreciate it when people can talk to you directly. Yes. It's, it's kind of the difference between reading a story and telling a story, mm -hmm. right? And one of my friends, James Weiss, Jim Weiss, mm -hmm. who did The Great Hall, and he's been a storyteller his whole life, you know, you can really see the difference when he's telling a story. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So you don't want to read a joke. You want to practice it enough so that you can just tell the joke. Okay. So hopefully no notes required. Okay. But then it is frustrating if you forget the joke. Yes, but, you know, that's why you got to practice. So, you know, my process is I see something or I read something and I think that is or could be a pretty good joke mm -hmm. for this group or mm -hmm. these groups or almost everyone. And then I will go and find some people to practice it on. Right. And it doesn't really work if you tell the same joke to the same people twice. Okay. So here in the office, it's very convenient because I can walk down to one room mm -hmm. and tell the customer service people the joke, see how it worked. Mm -hmm. Then a little bit later in the day, I may walk over to the school's office mm -hmm. and I'll tell the same joke. They haven't heard it, but now I have the experience of practice. Right. Okay, good. So I might make it a little better. Right. And then... You know, if it's going well, I might <laughs> pop into Nathan and David, you know, because they might not have heard it. Right. Uh, if it's really a good joke, I might risk it on the hardest audience. <laughs> you. Yes. I'm pretty hard on your jokes. <laughs> uh, although I have to say the AV guys, oh, that, they'll laugh at anything. Yeah, okay. I think it's just because they're, you know, in that dark room all day and, you know, any ray of sunshine. Is, or it's just that. 
your son has a particularly good sense of humor. He does have a good sense of humor, yes. And then often when I walk into the gym, I will try the joke out on uh, usually the girls that are at the front desk checking you into the gym mm-hmm. or one of the guys kind of like the head janitor, cleaner guy. I mm-hmm. like him a lot. So, uh, and then if it's really going well, my wife. Ah, there usually. you go. There so you, go. you practice. Okay. You practice. That is the key. And having enough different subgroups of people to practice on, then you don't become repetitive and dumb. Good. Okay. So you choose your audience and you practice, 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 practice. That seems to be pretty intensive practicing that you're doing well, for your Well, because jokes. there's subtleties uh-huh. in telling a joke. Okay. Okay. The first subtlety is, do you want this to be something that everyone immediately knows? This is a joke. Oh, right. Right? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, usually you would say something, would you like the joke of the day mm-hmm. or something like that? Sure. But then there's ones where you can kind of get people going. Like they think you're having a serious conversation. And then at a certain point, they wonder, and then the joke hits. Mm-hmm. That is a little better, but it's a little harder to to pull off. Right, right. I know that in our Structure and Style for, for Students videos, which of course I have to mention because you start each class with at least one maybe two or three jokes, just depending on what the joke is. And a lot of times you try to trick the students into thinking this actually happened to you on the way to work when you stopped at the gas station. Oh, yes. You have to tell that joke. Well, I was on my way here and uh, stopped to get gas. And as I was filling up my tank, I noticed uh, across the way someone foolishly and probably illegally was smoking. Oh, my word. While they were putting gas in their car. And of course, the the worst happened. Uh, the the fuel caught fire and engulfed their the sleeve of mm. their shirt. And and this guy is now like panicking and waving, waving his arm, trying to, you know, get and and a policeman comes right over and helps him put it out and then arrests him. Why would he arrest him? Well, for brandishing a firearm in public. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> and so, of course, the lead into that was tell us a joke. But that, you know, that totally was believable. That, well, yeah. So until, anyway, my yeah. I can I can almost never trick my wife. She can detect the subtlest sure. difference in my voice. Mm-hmm. But, sure. So and the twinkle in your eye and the smile on your face. Yeah. Yeah. But you can practice on that. And, you know, it, it usually is very nice if you can kind of get people going, believing that this is something that really happened or some real circumstance in the world. Right. I mean, you've heard of Socrates. Of course. Right. And you probably haven't heard of Mediocrates. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was well known for having said, eh, good enough. <laughs> so that's that's kind of in yeah. the middle. There, yeah. That's know. funny. That's funny. Now, I love listening to jokes. In fact, you mentioned my son. And one of the things that my boys all love to do is try and make me laugh. And they don't really actually have to try too hard because no, they are really an, funny. You're an easy laugh. Oh, I'm an easy laugh. But I'm terrible at telling jokes because oftentimes halfway through the joke, I start, I start cracking up because right. I'm anticipating. So is it okay to laugh at your own jokes? Well, yes and no. I think that if you're laughing at the joke and nobody else is, that's <laughs> a problem. Uh, there's a bad irony yes. there. But- 
when people laugh and they laugh together, there's an amplification mm. of whatever neurotransmitters or biochemicals or brain activity or physiological effect is going on. And we know this because in various studies, you can have someone watch something and they won't laugh mm -hmm. if they're watching it alone. But if they're in a room of people and someone laughs, then pretty much everyone starts laughing. Yep. So there is this communal aspect to humor. And I think it kind of lowers the threshold. Mm. Uh, I always know something really is funny if I see it or hear it and then I laugh and there's nobody around. Mm. I think, well, if that was funny enough to get me to make an audible response, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then it's probably a good one. Right. There's also a subtlety of phrasing that comes in. Okay. Um, especially if there are puns involved. Okay. Because, you know, you say one word one way, but you might say a very similar word or a different word another way or a phrase or a clause. And if you get it right, then it amplifies the pun. So I'm going to try this one. And I don't know, you may tell Maria to cut it out. Okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> but this is one of these ones that absolutely cracked me up. I saw it and I, I audibly laughed. So what did the constipated philosopher say? <laughs> this poo shall pass. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. But see, boy joke. <laughs> but well, but you think about it, okay, you're you're exchanging the famous phrase this too shall pass. Right. But right. when you change the word, mm -hmm. and it's really only one letter of the word. <laughs> right. You have to say it the way you would say this, this too. too. Yes. shall pass. <laughs> anyway, so that you know there's an example. Mm -hmm. Uh the other one that that it, I think is a good example of this is, uh, and you can kind of combine things. I'll I'll tell it. This one is pretty good on homeschool middle school kids mm -hmm. because they generally have enough geography to make it work. Okay, right? Because every joke that's worth anything requires some little bit of knowledge mm. in order for it to be right. funny. For example, if you had never heard that statement, this too shall pass, has been kind of a philosophical reflective. You know, it's even in the ancient Jewish very folktale about Solomon. Oh, that uh -huh. he his his wise guy went out all over the world to find, you know, the magic or the the secret that would help Solomon avoid despair or pride. Mm -hmm. And he came back with this too shall pass. Solomon put it on a ring and wore it around. That's a don't know if it's true, but right. it's a, a Jewish folktale. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you kind of have to have heard that, otherwise it doesn't have the same power. Right. So this one uh, also, you can you can pull it out as if it were a factual thing. Okay. And then you see the pun at the end. So um, you've probably heard that the nations of Finland, Sweden, and Norway have begun to paint large barcodes on the side of all their ships. Did you hear that? No. no. Um, well, they are. Do you know why? That's so when the ships return to port, they can Scandinavian. <laughs> Which you have to know that Norway, Finland, and Denmark are all part of Sweden. 
are all part of Scandinavia. Right. Yeah. So if you don't know geography, the joke doesn't work at all. Sure, sure. But if you do, then the pun Scandinavian, it it strikes your funny bone very effectively. Okay. So what if you're dealing with either a younger crowd or maybe someone that isn't at, I mean, you're, you're trying to be careful to match the joke, but people just don't get it. Do you explain the joke? Is it okay to explain the joke? I I do mm-hmm. because I'm just a natural teacher type. Sure. And I think, well, if they don't immediately get it, then they are deficient in some bit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I can then fill that in mm-hmm. for them. Yep. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. For example, I tried this one on one of the girls at the gym. You don't like this joke. I know exactly I do. which one you're going to talk about. Um, why did the egg cross the road? Mm-hmm. This is in the context of chicken crossing the road jokes. Why did the egg cross the road? And she said, I don't know. And I said, because it had the inclination. No response. <laughs> okay. She's just blank. <laughs> and then I just raised my arm in the air at an angle to illustrate an incline, Incline. and then she laughed. Oh. So sometimes you can inform the joke ever so slightly, and people still feel like they discovered it. But I think part of the joy in that type of humor is that kind of, I'm part of the club that knows this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what's very popular in the world today, Mm -hmm. and I, I love them, are memes. Oh, sure, yes. Right? Well, what a lot of people don't realize is two things. Number one, the word meme is connected, either derived from or connected in a very meaningful way with the term enthymeme. Oh, interesting. Which is a term in logic, Mm -hmm. which is a syllogism that is missing a piece, either one of the premises or the conclusion. And you don't need that missing piece because the mind fills in the blank. Mm -hmm. An example of this would be, the test is on Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. Dun, dun, dun. Right. So (laughs) you you don't need to say the conclusion here because everyone's mind leaps to that. Mm -hmm. And so that is effective in logical argumentation Mm -hmm. because people have this kind of moment of mirth or joy or satisfaction for having figured out the missing piece, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, right. So a meme is like that. So you you look at a meme, and if you know the missing piece, you are likely to get it, to think right. it's funny. Right. If you don't know the missing piece, then it, it doesn't have any effect on you, except... Right you feel a little sting of ignorance. Mm-hmm. This is actually how I figure out if I've missed any important news. Oh, okay. I read the Babylon Bee. Okay. <laughs> right? I don't know. Do you read the Babylon Bee? Uh, only when you send me articles and I sometimes fall well, for them. Well, my wife and I have, it's part of the getting to bed ritual uh-huh. while she's puttering around doing various things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just waiting for her to finish doing that. I read her the Babylon Bee headlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's interesting is some of them, they aren't funny at all. Mm. And then I realize I must have missed mm. some kind of news that would make that funny. Right. Got and then it. I will sometimes go and search for the bit of news or I can figure it out from the Babylon Bee. But it's satire, so it's dangerous because sure. you never know is it true news or yes. not. Yes. <laughs> so there's part of humor 
is that I knew that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the same reason we like watching games like Jeopardy or mm -hmm. whatever. And we're like, I knew that. Yep. Somebody didn't, but I did. Right. You know, right. and the, the whole game show mm -hmm. industry is kind of based on that. And, you know, this is a whole subject that can be unpacked, which mm -hmm. is why knowing stuff makes you happy. And, and part of that is that little subset of the more you know, the more jokes you can get. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I have a very good friend who once, once said in a talk, he said, well, the real purpose of a great classical education is so you can get every joke. Oh, I see. Got it. Very nice. Very nice. So you, of course, have your litany of jokes, and sometimes you use the same jokes for different audiences. Sometimes you're just retelling a joke that people know, but they still appreciate that. So can you speak to that? Is it okay to say, say the same joke to the same audience? Probably not in the same setting. I think it all depends. Mm -hmm. Garrison Keillor, mm -hmm. one of the great humorists of yes. the last century, he said an interesting thing once. Um, he said, there are no new jokes. There are only new people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... I think if you tell a joke and everyone there knows the joke, mm -hmm. the overall response is going to not be terribly positive. It's mm. kind of like, well, that's an old joke. <laughs> but if some people haven't heard the joke, then the other people who have heard the joke have a chance to kind of re-experience it because the people who haven't heard it before you know, there's a refresher. Yes. What I've noticed is that the younger children are, the higher the tolerance they have for repetition of jokes. Mm. So uh, sometimes I tell the, the story of how I, I taught my son when he was about nine or 10 years old, the, uh, the classic ice fishing joke. Oh, yes. Keep your worms warm. Okay, well, now you, t you gave away the punchlines and you have to tell it, but do you have to tell the joke? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> and... Everyone's heard that joke anyway. Anyway. Link in the show notes. He would tell the joke, and I would laugh out of politeness. Sure. Good job. You told it well. And just 10 minutes later, he would try to tell that joke again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say, son, you just told that joke 10 mm -hmm, minutes ago. Mm -hmm. His response would be something like, yeah, I know, but it's funny. Yes. But so it's funny. So it's okay to re-experience hmm. that what's funny. Sure. One of the great users of humor in kind of the larger political sense, mm -hmm. I would say, is Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay. And I actually got, once upon a time, a CD called The Humor of Ronald Reagan. And it was basically just 45 minutes of excerpts of all the kinds of jokes that he told. And, you know, we we say, okay, he was the great communicator, mm -hmm. probably just compared to all the other miserable people in the second half of the 20th century. <laughs> but he had this knack of laughing at himself mm. while poking fun at the opposition, but in a way, no one took offense. Mm -hmm. And he could do it to make a point. Mm. And so you watch the old videos. And even, you know, the Democrat Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill, is sitting there laughing at a joke that Reagan told about the Democrats. Yes, yes. That, that wouldn't happen today. Mm. The jokes would be 
vicious and angry,、mm. and the reaction would be vicious and angry, and so humor becomes too dangerous.、Mm-hmm. But you know,、um, Bill Maher, who someone I would disagree with on almost everything, although more recently I've been agreeing with various things, he also points out the fact that we can't laugh at ourselves anymore.、Mm. Is a sign of the decline,、hmm. really, of the free exchange of ideas. Yes, and aside from his crudity, his insight into human nature and his ability to use satire, to use hyperbole, to use understatement, is really quite. It's a it's a remarkable skill. Sure, that he has, which is why he's been, you know, on HBO forever, and you kind of just have to. Turn on the language filter if you don't、mm. want to recognize、mm-hmm. his use of words that I would never want to use. Yes, yes. So Andrew, it's totally fitting, hundred percent, that we end this podcast with a joke. So we're out of time. So I would like to ask you to tell us one of your most recent favorite jokes. Probably my favorite of the most recent jokes is why do teenage girls? Hang out in groups of three, five, or seven.、Um, because they're odd. Good guess. They can't even. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and and so when you say that,、uh-huh. obviously you have to say that in a stereotypical teenage girl、mm-hmm. like I can't even. <laughs> right. right. But not quite to the edge of hyperbole、yeah. in expression. Just right in the middle, where it gets across the line, and people say, "Oh, I've heard that." Yep. Well, listener, if you are walking or doing laundry or dishes or on the treadmill, please take a moment today to look at the show notes. We'll put some links there to some of the jokes that Andrew has told, and some that he's alluded to, some that he hasn't told, and just. Enjoy a good chuckle today. So I know I did. Thank you, Andrew. And you've heard all the jokes. I've heard all the jokes <laughs> multiple times. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or just visit us each week at iew.com/podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing: Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.